welcome to the show. I am joined today by Scott Snyder. It's been a while, man. How are you? I'm good, Sal. It's so good to see you again. I'm like fresh off the plane from uh, from Florida Megaton, from Megaton. Right? So I'm worse for wear, but I'm good. I made it back. Yes. And, uh, and I'm excited to talk to you. How was the uh, how was the big uh, the big Megacon panel? I know you were you were there talking about a number of things, but one of them was your your big show where uh, it was about uh, being creative and writing and everything like that. It felt good to talk in front of an audience. Yeah, again. I mean, I love that convention. It, it, it like everything in Orlando, it's like giganto sized, you know. And it, I forgot like how robust it is. They had all these stars there too. They had like Tom Hiddleston and uh, and um, the whole cast from um, a bunch of like. A bunch, they had uh, uh, Back to the Future, and I mean, oh, it, was, nice. it was really impressive. Yeah, the, the guest list. And then they had all the, you know, a lot of my my favorite comic creators, Jason Aaron and Tom King and Francis Matapal and Jeff Johns. We really got to catch up. So it was a good time. I was like very tight with it. I flew down Saturday morning and flew back last night. So oh my God. <laughs> it was like, yeah, very tight turnaround. But I felt like I had skipped the convention too many times and so i was excited to to go back and and say thanks and and the fans obviously were fantastic i love florida fans they're great yeah i it's funny we uh the last time we talked you mentioned francis manipal obviously you know you work together uh on clear and uh, we had the whole gamut of uh, of all these incredible independent series you created um over the last couple of years you've been like working non-stop like you've been you've been a workhorse over the last like yeah. well since the pandemic at least uh <laughs> you've just been just been just been go uh and uh and one of those uh items that i wanted to talk uh about was um the book you have over at iw uh, dark spaces dungeon um we talked a little bit about it at new york comic-con and how uh, grounded it is and how it's not ethereal. There's nothing fantastical or magic about it. It's just serial killers. And, and it's, it's, it's just, it's just fear, just abject fear of like the, of the real, you know, and especially yeah. your own personal fear. Cause like, you know, there's, there's a kid missing. It's, it's a father who's like yeah. going through his, the, you know, the, the turmoil of, of, of all of that, you know, you want to talk about like the origins of, uh, of, of dungeon and, and where, uh, where we're going with it yeah yeah very much and uh, you know I'm, I'm really grateful to idw for giving us a, sh a chance to do it i mean mark doyle who's the publisher there co-publisher is like one of my oldest friends in the world now he and um, janine schaefer are the ones that kind of found me at a reading when i was like a baby <laughs> you know 15 <laughs> years ago plus uh and invited me into comics they were at marvel in dc uh and they asked if i wanted to pitch for things because i was in a book where we had written superhero stories um, for a, a prose book. And um, I had comics with me. And so Mark and I have, have been a team for many, many years. Then he was the Batman editor. And so when he went over to IDW, you know, I had a lot on my plate, but he was like, well, can we do something in the creator owned space where um, a, you get to help bring in other people. Like we'll do a, we'll do a line of books where it's about new voices. So Jeremy Lambert, Shay Grayson, um, with Hollywood special and, um, and good deeds respectively two miniseries I love. Yeah. Uh, and, um, and, and, and start trying to find an identity for the line that you're doing for your own books that we don't see elsewhere. So I realized pretty quickly, like everything I was doing for comiXology, um, and, and dark horse, uh, and for image with Noctera, everything has like a metaphysical or supernatural bend. There, there was no book that wasn't sort of speculative science fiction, like clear where there's some kind of invention that changes the world or, um, you know, horror, like we have demons where there's elements that have fallen to earth that mutate us or uh, book of evil, the prose book I did with Jock, um, where <laughs> it's imagines that like everybody, 92% of the population are born psychopaths in starting now. And it takes place like 60 years after that. So everything had like a really kind of epic, or um, high concept, non fully grounded, realistic um, premise. So I was like, well, what if I go over there and I really restrict myself and try and do something where it's really just about the psychological drama and do very, very character focused stories, you know, really, really um, kind of twisted and, 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 and probing and, you know, uh, sometimes brutal, but, um, yeah, realistic stories about characters in pressure cooker situations. And so we did one uh, mini series under the Dark Spaces um, label last year uh, called um, Wildfire. It was Dark Spaces Wildfire with Hayden Sherman, who also draws the the new one, Dungeon. Mm -hmm. 
And we had such a blast doing it that we were like, we got to do another one, same team. <laughs> um, but that one was about, it was a noir. It was like a heist story. Um, but the idea is to sort of do genre and very realistic stories or very realistic characters, very grounded um, narrative, but also try and modernize or do it in a way, do genre in a way that feels like it's of the zeitgeist. So for example, yeah. with Wildfire, we didn't want to just do a noir or a heist. It was a heist that felt like it was kind of tied to the anxieties of the moment. And so it's about um, women who are incarcerated in California and are brought out as part of this firefighting program to combat some of the endless like blazes, um, forest blazes that are happening in those, those hills and those mountains. Um, and while they're there, one of them realizes she knows a house up above the fire line where there's money in it. And it's, by, it's the house of somebody who deserves to get robbed. And so she and the prison guard, who's the main story, a main character, and um, the other women decide to sort of try this. And so it's a noir, but it's the money thereafter is digital money. The It's set against these kind of 13 month a year wildfires yeah. that are sort of, you know, feel very of the moment climate change. And it's also about class. It's about, you know, women who haven't been given a very good chance in life um, and, and, and having kind of towed the line in a lot of ways before and, and realizing that they're not going to get out of prison and have all these opportunities and for a service or any of that stuff from this. And they get paid $2 a day and the houses they're protecting are wealthy. Mm-hmm. And so it was very much like, how do you do noir now? And um, I loved it. I love working on it. I'm super proud of it. And so with Dungeon, it was similar. It was like, well, how do you do how do you do a serial killer sort of silence of the lambs type um, story or all those like Alex cross mysteries I really love. Um, But how do you do that today in a way that, you know, tries to at least poke it, poke at some of the anxieties that are there. And so for me, I think like, you know, serial killers, as, as we know them, like the, the knife slasher, at least the cinematic televisual, like fictional portrayals of them, are really tied to like my childhood in the 80s, 90s, and and have a particular kind of feel. You know, there's like a, not that they don't still exist and they're still you know a, a terrifying thing and have tons of potency as a as a as a also as like a as a real cultural fear for real reasons that you bring into story. But it felt like is there a way to kind of do a different kind of serial killer that feels like he speaks to some of the the anxieties? Yeah, like I was saying in the air now, and so. For me, it feels like that those serial killers are very much about the isolation of um, those moments. You know, the industrialization, the idea of being separated by highways, the the the, the anonymity they can find by coming and impulse, you know, thrill killing and these obsessions they develop and all of that. Yeah, and it felt like these days it's sort of um, there's a sense of overconnection and isolation. But I wanted to create a killer who does something different, who manipulates and who controls. And for me, the scariest part of any, a lot of serial killer stories is the captivity. You know, the, the time when you're, you're you're trapped by this person. Yeah. It's not the killing or the violence itself so much, as, as horrifying as that is. Just personally, for me, it hits a bigger nerve when it's, you know, they have you trapped for days and you don't know what's going to happen. And, yeah. and so I wanted to do a story about a serial killer who does that and who keeps people in sort of his traps or his dungeons essentially, which are all these kind of strange, like uniform, small kind of pits where these blocks come out of the wall and break your bones and, and keep you, if you try and you can't really kill yourself, you're kind of caught in there and he feeds you. And, you know, if you won't eat, then you're force fed all of this stuff, but you don't see him and you're kept in this terrible space for as long as he feels like keeping you in there years and years. And, and so it's really based on that idea of somebody who feels, and the killer himself has this kind of ideology, you know, that um, it, he, or the, the person chasing him, uh, Detective Maddock, he was the only person that escaped one of these traps back in yeah. his childhood. And so he's obsessed with catching him. The guy's called The Keep because he keeps people in the dungeons and the castle keep is where he's rumored to have a lot of them. And they don't know where it is. And they don't know how many people are out there in the ground that he's taken. They don't know who he is. And, and so um, Maddock has developed a theory that this guy really believes in himself as this kind of zeitgeist killer, where he believes that in a world where if, you know we're all sort of manipulating uh, each other or we're all sort of subject to these algorithms and so on online, that control is the thing that's more um, thrilling and more, uh, more sort of um, 
yeah, it creates more elation in him than the idea of the murder itself. You do die in there. Oh, sure. <laughs> it's more like that sense of I have all these people under my control entirely, right. you know, because people feel powerless a lot these days, um, given sort of the cultural moment, I think. And so it's that power and control that's almost the 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 drug for him, more the anticipation of the, of the kill. And so it's a really dark book. I mean, it, it's like a mean, dark book, but I love it. It's and Hayden's art again is just out of control and you know beautiful. I think Hayden is one of the superstars of the future in comics. So yeah, it's a blast. Yeah, it's been really fun. It's great. Uh, I I love. Um, I was just uh, I had an opportunity to take a look at uh, issue three, which of course is coming out uh, this week actually. So if you want to check it out, folks, it comes out on Wednesday. Um, yeah. But uh, we get to see. Uh, a cross section of three different victims of the keep and yeah. his impact on, or their impact on, um, on all three of these different people and how they use the experience they've been through. You know, like Tommy's obviously destroyed and Bodie's yeah. kind of like driven. And, and, and of course, Cal's like the most recent one, but it also the impact of like their lives. And then the implication of like why the keep does what he does and, and how. Yeah, he does it. And part of why he does it is because he picks people that he thinks will cause the most pain. Yes. But to remove from the system of, of, of their lives. Mm -hmm. So he's particularly cruel and you'll learn in four, he does all kinds of horrible things. Like, Oh, sure. There's a woman not to spoil too much, but there's like a woman who's the mother of somebody who disappeared and, and who is found dead. So they know he's gone, but the keep sends her, letters every couple of years about who he could have been just yeah. to sort of torment her um, with photos that he makes. Um, so it's, he's, he's really, really evil, like yeah. completely unsympathetic. Um, and yeah, it's definitely a book where I'm like, God, did I go too far with this one? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it's really, it's really mean and dark, yeah. but I don't know. Sometimes you just feel like that's the, it's the right sort of groove for that story. Right. So, to have books like <laughs> Dudley Dotson or things that are like, let's be hopeful, like yeah. over here. And then this, I feel like, again, it's it's the elasticity of of um, of what I've been able to do thanks to such great partners the last few years. Yeah. And you've had a chance to really kind of delve into these kind of themes and ideas and the expression of, of story uh, through your class over on Substack, which you launched a, a while ago now. And yeah. uh, it has been uh, growing and uh, going great. You want to talk a little bit about the, uh, the class that you offer on Substack? Yeah, we have almost like a couple thousand plus people in it, which is mind blowing to me. And I mean, I, I love it. So we started, it is almost like, I think it's three years ago now, which is nuts, yeah. but we try and do it almost every month. There have definitely been months off. So we have like 25 classes or so right now that we've done. And I just did one a few nights ago about horror, horror and comics. It was really fun. We looked at like 30 days a night and the deviant James Tynan and Josh Hickson's amazing new horror comic good book. Yeah. Oh, so good. Um, and, um, the incredible Hulk by, um, uh, Phil Johnson, the former yes. student, as is James <laughs> and Nick Klein. <laughs> Um, great, great book. Uh, so, um, and what we do is we talk about like this and we look at student work too. So I, I brought in a couple comics by, um, or one script, uh, you know, comics and scripts by people that are in the class and we talk about techniques. So it's very craft-based. The whole goal of the class for me is trying to sort of really impart upon people that writing is something that anyone can do. Um, can you do it like to a level of professional, you know, sustainability where you're like making a living from it? Who knows? Who knows if I can these days? I don't know. <laughs> but like, can you do it to a level where either you're doing it for yourself and you're happy with what you're producing or you're doing it to publish? Yeah, you can. It just it's just time and effort the same way, you know, learning any trade is. And and it's it's a different kind of thing because it requires a level of not just imagination, but vulnerability. Um, yeah. You know, you have to be able to open up and put stuff on the page that's uncomfortable sometimes. Um, but that said that the craft of it, wherever you want to meet me as the teacher, like, I don't care what it is you're writing, you know, any genre, any, it can be space opera or political or apolitical, whatever. The goal is to write the story that you would love to pick up that day and find. Um, and that's really the whole golden rule of the class. You got to write your own favorite story. And the secondary rule is you got to try and be the most exciting creator to yourself at all times. And um, it keeps me young, you know, because I go in there and say these things and talk about it. And I'm like, God, I better do that too. I don't want to be a big hypocrite, you know? So <laughs> I leave, I leave and I feel like it reminds me of the values that um, are important to me as a, as a writer as well. But 
Yeah, we and which again, it's very craft based. So like with horror, it was about like what things in comics, what techniques in comics are most effective and even sometimes more effective. What things do we have at our disposal that TV and film and even prose might not have? Like where do we fall? What are the most effective kind of um, craft elements that you can employ and really take advantage of the medium. So it's stuff like that. And I'll look at three things. I'll be like immersion, you know, dread, uh, and still image, like the still image that's horrible, like that stuff. So I, I love it. I really love it. I mean, I, I felt really bad when I couldn't keep teaching a few, like five years ago. I mean, I taught all through the early years when I was breaking in, um, at different colleges. And then, um, I taught, uh, for DC for a few years for their writers program, uh, a superhero class about how to bring your own voice to superheroes. And hmm. that was a blast. I mean, I loved it and got to meet a bunch of people that, um, who's writing I really love and who are out there today. Uh, and now this gives me an opportunity to do it in a really big tent broad way. And, you know, there are different tiers for the class. So there's like, you can just do the seven bucks a month and, you know, and get all of the classes archived on video and go check them out. Um, and we look at Dungeon, we look at um, Wildfire. I think I give the script to Wildfire in one of them too. Um, but uh, we also, uh, we also um, have on guests. So I've had on everybody from like James Tynan, Donnie Cates, Greg Capullo, Josh Williamson, you know, like, uh, yeah, Rom. We talked to um, Rom. We talked to, uh, yeah, a lot. It's It's a lot of fun. So. I really love it. I hope you'll consider it. I want to keep it going as long as I can. And uh, I feel really grateful to get to do it, you know? Yeah, it's it's actually really fun because, you you know, you, you can get whatever you want out of it. It's not just like, oh, this is what Scott wants you to understand. It's like whatever you're looking for, the experience you're looking for in terms of like what you want to get out of it. Do you want to like hone your craft? Do you want to start your craft? Do you want to like understand how scripts are produced or do you want to just understand theme or character like you, you kind of run the gamut with this whole thing I've... yeah and i try and talk business too a lot by the way i just realized i'm in my kid's room this is not uh -huh. my room <laughs> my i don't have like a gold pimp chain like yeah <laughs> chain was really like yeah, was... yankees chain and a bad news bears and iron man legos and i mean they're all cool but like my office is actually here i'll show you my office <laughs> out there can you see it Oh, yeah. That's my studio. Very nice. But it's like 30 degrees here, and I got yeah. back late and did not heat up my studio. So I, <laughs> I do not feel like going out into the to the cold today. After you. being in Florida, I'm becoming like a big, you know, like wussy about it. So I was like, mm -hmm. I'm just going to stay in my kid's room. So just as a... <laughs> Just as a like context, primer, folks, this room. is not my room. Yeah. I, don't, I don't sit in a gamer's chair with like gold chains and whatever around me. <laughs> cool as that would be. Yeah. Um, you, uh, you mentioned, um, uh, pressure cooker situations. I love that term and how you kind of like apply it to so much in your writing. Like I was just thinking back to like zero year or, uh, you know, any of the, we have demons or, or, or yeah. um, uh, I'm drawing a blank. I'm sorry. It's, uh, Noctera, how yeah, everything Noctera, is, like, exactly, yeah. is, is just ratcheted up. Like everything is a pressure. It is the highest stakes. It is the uh, the worst possible scenario. And how how do you yeah. find like that that moment? Because I know that like in my own um, experiences, you know, I try to think of like the worst uh, circumstances in any scenario. And it's like I'm I'm routinely surprised by what like true craftsmen come up with like where, where do you where do you find those pressure cookers that's a great question i mean what i try and do is like for me something will catch my eye like for example um noctera you mentioned right uh and what that was was it was pre-pandemic like that yeah. we thought of that book so it was it wasn't inspired by any of that stuff it was inspired by this sense like i remember just seeing um i it was it was almost like my we have a street in town where people every week almost like line up on two sides of the political spectrum mm. and, and usually are okay with each other. But it, you know, in the, in the, in 2019, 2018, we're like really, it was getting really bad. Yeah. And I remember just thinking they were, there was a day where it was just very um, dark. It, there was like a, a cloud cover and just looking at them all in shadow and just being this feeling of like, God, it just feels like everybody, we're all getting, and, you know, I have strong political beliefs. I'm not shy about them. I'm, you know, big lefty on most things. Um, but 
the point is, regardless of like your sort of where you fall on the political spectrum, it just feels like everything was appealing to our worst impulses. Yes. Or there were a lot of appeals, at least, to our w- worst impulses. Um, and it was becoming more and more divisive and, and vitriolic and isolating. And so I was like, God, look at that shadow. And I was like, well, what if there was like a darkness that covered things? that changed us into these kind of things that are unrecognizable to each other. And it forced us to kind of come back together into the light. And um, from there, what I do to, so, so I get an idea and I'm like, Oh, has anybody done that? <laughs> I look it up right. and I'm like, How has nobody done that? And then, um, then I'll be like, okay, well I have, I know what the fear is. Like I know what the core, what, what it means to me is, which I always have to unlock. Sometimes yeah. I'll, something, an image will just catch my eye. That's what happened with um, American vampire was, I'll come back to Noctera, but like yeah. with American Vampire, um, I was getting a gift from my buddy Owen, who's the one that invited me to be in that superhero book that got me into comics. Owen nice. King's great writer himself. Um, his book, um, The Curator, out right now. Uh, but anyway, the uh, I was getting him a gift, and I went into a role playing store down in the East Village in um, Manhattan, and they had all these like statues and busts, and there was just a bust of a zombie. Um, union soldier from the civil war and it was just so weird i don't know what it was about it It just stayed with me and i was like why is that so strange to me like why am i so attracted to this horror in civil war stuff and it just occurred to me i unpacked it and was like oh it's because i don't feel like we have a lot of indigenous american versions of our monsters there's a lot of you know dracula um wolfman these they're indigenous to the states when it comes to their portrayals mm-hmm. but they feel very much also like of a of a moment there was a fear of immigration and infection and all kinds of stuff and the exotic you know exoticism like the mummy and so what if we did a homegrown version and there were a couple examples like um near dark is like one of my favorite movies and but like i was like what if we expand it and create a whole genealogy of monsters that exist throughout history that are all sort of you know sort of a lens through which we can look at historical Ourselves. events especially yeah. here in the american imagination over the 20th century so yeah. that and with noctera it's like okay i know that and same with american vampire i know that well what do you do next well now you try and find a character who's going to allow you to explore that in the darkest way right so yeah. with val and noctera it was like what about somebody that grew up in the dark and felt like kids did the worst things in the dark. If they, if you can't, you know, it brings out the worst in people when nobody has accountability or nobody, you know. So if she grows up with this very jaded view and she's forced into a situation where she's got to start believing in collectivism and in, in the light and that there might be light out there in a literal and metaphorical way, she'd make a great conduit, right? A great character for it. So that's kind of how I do it. So I try and create a character that's, um, you know, really, really challenged by the world that we've created so that I can get to that material that inspired all of it the most potently. So yeah, that's, that's what I do. I have to unlock all that stuff before I can really start a story. I need to know those things. Some people don't like, and um, I have friends that are like, I figure it out as I go. I was just talking to somebody who I won't like, I won't like Put them tell, on the talk to their process without, but someone, a big writer. And they were like, I, I don't, I can't know the ending of something before I start it. I need to figure it out as I go. And yeah. I love that. I think it's great. So whatever your process is, is part of the class is like teaching you to embrace it. But at some point as you go, you know, the biggest thing to me is just understanding why you like the subject, what it is that excites you about it and going from there, whether you know the ending or not. But that's how I create like those pressure cooker situations is like figuring out what it means to me and then creating a character that kind of represents for me, at least a kind of nerve center of, of, you know, of um, worry or hope or fear in relation to that thing. Yeah. Do you find that when you have excised that feeling or that reaction to something? Because I noticed that uh, there's kind of like this undercurrent or this theme throughout a lot of the most recent post, like like post 2018 um, Scott Snyder works. There's almost this like treatise on the internet. Like, or on the individuality or the isolationism that the internet provides, you know, like everything kind of like cordons off, creates isolation and then makes people feel like this. When you have these kind of like um, these feelings of either like, you know, a strong opinion or an anxiety, when you have made your, your, your tangible item, when you have the book, do you yeah. feel you've excised that feeling or do you still have these feelings overall? And do you go like, yeah, I'm not done or, well, I said it. I don't really feel as strongly about it anymore. 
That's a that's a great question. And um, sometimes yes and sometimes no. So you can look at like, I think one of my favorite things about writers I really follow is how you sometimes see them work through a theme over time, you know, yeah. and you can watch something sort of develop or evolve in different medium, different stories they tell, different kinds of things they tell. So I can read Jeff Lemire's work from a certain period and be like, a lot of this is about coming home, finding home. Or I can read stuff from James, you know, from a period and it's, it's all the fear of, um, of secret systems, systems we're unaware of in some yeah. ways. And then you see them move past that. And for me, sometimes those fears are really acute. Like, when I was becoming a dad for the second time and my career was really taking off when I was on Batman and we had done court of owls and um, I became like really terrified of the idea that being a father again, like I would be a terrible dad. Like I was too obsessed with my work. I never thought I'd have the career I had ever. I mean, I thought I still hung on to my jobs, my, my teaching job and tutoring job for years into DC, even when I was exclusive because I was positive, you know. <laughs> Just in case. You know, I would know. recommend that to everybody all the time. As a side note, you know, comics, I, especially when we were seeing all the comics broke me stuff, which so much of was really powerful and, yeah. and important to be said about bad practices and all of that. There was also an undercurrent of like, you know, why can't I make a living wage in comics? And we should all be able to. And there, I wish we could unionize and do those things. Yeah. But it is also important to recognize the market as it is at certain moments. And it's a market right now where just to anyone out there, we talk about this in the class too. I try and give like practical advice. Um, it's a market that it's a really tough one. And, and you really, to me, the best advice is you almost want to have another job that's either unrelated or whatever <laughs> so that you can, both have sort of economic sustainability, but also give yourself the creative freedom to be able to not feel the pressure that this has to sell in this right. way, in that way. Um, but going back to that moment, like for me, I was really afraid of being a dad. And I had these like deep fears that if I had another kid, I'd be bad at it. I was too career driven. Um, and, and some part of me, what if I didn't really want another kid? I didn't know. And so if you look at work from like 2013, 20 or 2014 in there, those fears, you see them all over that. So death of the family is literally the Joker being like, you don't need a family. You only need me. Don't you want to go back to being young and being the two of us, these iconic things, you know, and witches is like openly about that yeah. <laughs> material as is um, severed, which, you know, kind of is slightly different because it's more about that time period, but you can see the beginnings that we were pregnant with our first kid when that one was conceived. So you, you work through these things that way. I'm no longer, I'm no longer afraid of those same things that I was then we have my, you know, I'm much more comfortable as a father, you know, 10 years later and all of that stuff. But um, I have other fears that like you say, kind of permeate yeah. um, a, a number of books. Like if you look at stuff from like, 2018 2019 you know um death metal and batman who laughs and um last night on earth yeah one of the core fears is the way that people when given a choice um or tempted by their worst impulses in some ways will often is risk risk be at being at risk and and has but have a better chance of saving many people and so that's the core wound in like and last night on earth, the Batman story we got to do that was like future. And it's what, what Batman who laughs is constantly saying people will be happier if they're like me. And that's what yeah. we want to be. And it's kind of what Lex Luthor discovers in some ways in justice league leading up to death metal is that feeling of, Oh, we are supposed to be something like is, is our conscious or, or conscience and is our ethics. Is that just a vestigial thing? That's like a bad evol evolution that needs to go away. Are we supposed right. to just be, predatory and the final book on that that i did was um the final book on that theme was um book of evil that was the yes. prose book with jock where i told you the premise where it's like most people are born psychopaths and and are we happier or not that way in that way so i'll work a theme for a while if it's yeah if it still feels like there's energy to it for me and then other times it really is like just trying one thing and getting out like i don't see myself I really love what we're doing with Dungeon, for example, because it's so acute. It's so yeah. about one. It's like, does this kind of serial killer feel more frightening and more modern in this way? And it was just a, it was sort of an experiment in that regard. And again, I love the book, but it's not something that um, 
it's not something that I wonder about a lot. It's more just the experiment of trying to create somebody that feels like a serial killer. That's sort of a new evolution of something that's was so terrifying to me growing up, but has maybe has slightly different, slightly different kind of, um, um, trajectory now. Yeah. Yeah. I noticed that, um, you know, the, the impetus or the, the, like foundation of it obviously comes from like our shared experience of like the the slasher and this like kind of theatricality this kind of like almost a indulgent malevolent force that loves revels in it and uh and how they express it in a very like showy garish 80s and 90s excessive kind of way and uh and then taking that idea and then going like well we're not really like that anymore but we are, but in a different way of expressing it. And so I think we see it with the, uh, you know. Yeah, that's the idea. And I really, yeah, again, like I'd love to hear from people what they think because a lot of these books, I mean, one of the things that's been so amazing to me the last few years is, you know, when I was at DC, I think I told you this last time we talked, Sal, but like I I fought for a carve out every year for like an indie series and then I never used them because it was just so, There was so much to do at DC and, and it was it was very um, high pressure and tumultuous and all those things those years. And it's calmed down a lot now, but like it was a lot. And so when I left and I was like, I don't care what's going on. I just need to, to leave for a while and I need to do all these ideas that I've had. Yeah. Or some of them at least and, and just experiment and just sort of be exciting to myself in my own way. And get to getting to do books with all these people who some of whom I'd never worked with, like Lisa Tulalote, you know, and yeah, just do books. I could never, never know if I was going to pull off like barnstormers, this historical fiction book or the prose with Jock, but everything was something outside my comfort zone to some degree. Even if it was like working with Greg, it was doing in a way where we were creating our own thing. We had never tried that before together and how would it work? So all of it was like a big walkabout of being able to be like, let's try it. What would a Western be today? Well, it would probably be a horror story. Let's try to blend those in a true detective kind of way, Dan, let's, why not? (laughs) And, uh, you know, all of it like that. So, and comiXology has been an amazing partner, you know, and, uh, if I, I've, I like, I'm so thankful to be able to do all of that stuff. And now kind of coming to the end of that phase, yeah, it feels like for me, it's, it's more about like, I got to do all of these different ideas and experiment. I'd like to kind of come back to, to do the sort of the thing that I feel more comfortable with in some ways, both with superhero stuff and with um, horror and, and more ongoing sort of longer form, like American vampire type series. And um, yeah. And, and big tent, big tent stuff, you know, cause I got to do, I'm sure I'll go through another phase where I'm like, I just want to write poem comics or something <laughs> in a couple of years, but right now I'm ready to kind of move back into a space where it feels like, you know, the one I left where it's more like long form, big, noisy, muscularity, that kind of fun. Yeah. Well, we're looking forward to it, man. Uh, 2024, 2025 is going to be really exciting. And uh, I'm looking yeah. forward to seeing what we got. But for now, Dark uh, Spaces Dungeon number three is coming out. How many issues to that series now? Is it? It's uh... five. Well, there's three coming. Thir- three is coming out and it's five issues altogether. OK, so after five uh, and then what's yeah what's next is is noisy and uh and muscular i'm looking for yes yeah that's how that's the sound it sounds like a weird like a like a drunken <laughs> or something i'm like yeah. reading but no it's i i just mean like um i i i it was this kind of creative explosion for me in a really fun way to yeah. be able to just be like can i pull this off can i do this and and having partners that supported you were excited and having the books you know, they did better than I had hoped and critically they did better than I had hoped. And we got some words and on lists and I, that hadn't happened to me in a long time. And it was very, um, just very exciting. All of it to, to just feel, like I said, like exciting to yourself in those ways, as much as I did at DC, like I felt always exciting with, to myself doing weird death metal, all of it, but yeah, I needed a break. And now it's kind of like, I took a break and it would be fun to go back if there were a project that would really allow me to collaborate in cool ways with creators that um, I respect and I'm inspired by and something that I'm, I haven't like tried this way before. It feels like I don't want to go in there and do like, okay, I, it was very, very easy to go to DC. Not very easy. I don't mean to sound arrogant. I just mean it would be very comfortable to be able to go to DC and, you know, I'm friends with everybody there and be like, I'd like to do a small 
Batman mystery or something. And, you know, I have those muscles still. I think of those stories a lot. What would a, a small, you know, Killer Croc story be? What would a right. small Mr. Freeze? Those are very fun in my head. And, you know, maybe I should do them, but it almost feels like too, um, just too comfortable, like too, mm-hmm. too easy to come back and do that, you know, right now, only because I would rather take some kind of bigger swing. And if there was an offer to do something that was more like, what? Like, all right. You know, then it feels like that stuff is the stuff that really gets my blood running. Cause it's like, I get excited about the idea of, and we can talk about this for a minute. I don't have like a super hard out or any of that, but right like, you know, when I was coming up, it felt like there was more of a sense of uh, the companies as this kind of very um, concentrated, robust kind of, um, and not antagonistic, but like, going back and forth and always trying to do things, topping each other and like bigger initiatives and bigger things. Yes. New 52, all new, all different, you know, uh, X-Men versus, uh, versus Avengers Avengers, and rebirth. And then, you know, like it was, it was a lot of that. And, um, that's what I grew up on. And, um, I think the only reason that those things have kind of, they're good reasons why those things have kind of shifted and also not so good reasons, but it feels, I think, like to me, it's it's just a reflection of the fact that the economy, I mean, like you get all these hot takes, right, about like why the comics has changed so much. Oh, yeah. and all oh, yeah. Why has it changed? How is it doing sales-wise? How is this? And I think, honestly, a lot of the reasons aren't like sexy reasons that people or angering, infuriating clickbait reasons that people sure. want to go out there and say, well, comics are too political. They're really not. Like if you go look at like 99% of the comics put out and every big comic or most, Mm -hmm. you know, by far you can find one or two that, you know, are, 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 um, openly political, but they're generally by established prose, um, generally big sort of very straight ahead superhero stories, um, in that way. And I, and I wish there was more, I wish there were more kind of risky takes and wish there were more, um, diverse. So there's more diversity among, uh, the, the benches at places and people are trying hard, you know, to, to do that. But the perception that there's sort of one unifying thing, good, bad, anything that's sort of hurting comics. It, to me, it's really like superhero comics. The, the, the big things are first they're everywhere. Like yeah. you used to only be able to get superheroes in comics, right? But yeah. now you can't throw a rock without hitting a series about the smallest character, which is a wonderful thing, but it's like we inherited the earth. You know what I mean? We're like, yeah, geek culture is pop culture. And that does diminish the, the, the so there's three things in my opinion. That's one, right? Like the, there's the, the, the one. The like, of superheroes. They're everywhere. The proliferation. Yeah, they're yeah. ubiquitous, right? You can't, you know, so my kids don't need to go to the comics. I needed to go like, cause w- w- you know, we had Batman 1989 or this, but it, there wasn't like a whole universe. You couldn't like click on things and find. And I, I mean, I ordered my Spider-Man toys, the multi-articulated thing yeah. from Japan. It was metal. And I, I mean, I would get it and it would come in the mail and like they did the secret wars figures were the only figures I had. And they didn't even have joints. If you no, they just, they were really stiff. Yeah. Yeah. And the superpower friends one that were awesome that, but they were great. there wasn't like this, like now you have a figure of like, Vasquez from aliens with or without, you know, gun or yeah. it's unbelievable. Like geek culture is just, you can't come up with things that aren't already made. No, it's true. So there's that, right? So you're competing against that to the pricing, right? So the pricing is just really tough in this economy for young people, especially, but for adults, like during COVID, you see this moment when like, People have disposable income and they also become big gamblers, right? Because my kid loves baseball cards. And suddenly you saw all of these new kinds of baseball cards that were like one in a thousand. You could win, you know, Babe Ruth's piece of his bat on. (laughs) And people found ways of both embracing their kid hobbies and speculating on them. And that was really exciting and profitable for the 1920 to, I'm sorry, 2020 to 2021 or so. Right. Yeah. You have that boom. And then, um, but you're out of that now and and we have a real problem. That's the reason I so believe in comicsology or I was proselytized for them so hard when I was there um, and I'm still there, but like it's, it's, it's common knowledge that the company was largely reduced, yeah. you know, and at, at a moment when they were expanding and doing great things, they supported so many conventions and programs, thought bubble, all these things I loved. So it was heartbreaking to see that happen and happen not because of any 
real practical reason so much as just job cuts across the entire landscape of Amazon that, that at that moment. And I understand like that's being subject to a big company, but point is like, I loved comiXology because I believed in total digital browsability cross company. Like you could go in and when it's really robust and done well, and it's like, if comiXology, you know, expanded and whatever, and the app was there, it's, you feel like, Oh, I can go in there and fall in love with comics because they have so many things that for the price of one comic, Mm-hmm. I can browse. And that yeah. was, I believe in that. I still believe in that. I just don't think it's as doable as it was then. Yeah. And so it sucks, you know, but that the price point to me is the other problem that's like prohibitive and, and hurts, hurts us in the mainstream superhero space the most. And the third thing, honestly, to me is the fact that these companies, when I started at DC, it was just DC comics. And then within a year it was picked up or partnered with or picked up by Warner brothers and then within another two years, Warner Brothers was um, taken by AT&T. And then within another few years, that company was taken now by Discovery Plus. And now they're talking about, you know, more mergers or, or things. Know, yeah. And so something that was sort of an isolated pulp company becomes part of a much larger ecosystem. There's huge benefits to that, right? There's more money in it initially. People have different kinds of mobility where you're suddenly working on, I got to work on video games and talk to people. And it's really cool. Yeah. But the problem is also that when you're subject to bigger whims, sometimes as the boss of a company like that, you don't know what you're allowed to do or not. And if there's an ever-changing rotation of bosses, you don't ever get to settle in and be like, let's do something like the new 52 or like this, because you're you're not sure if they want that or not, because they're still figuring out their own identity. And so you're kind of caught in this loop of trying to do things, but also not wanting to do things that really go out on a limb in a way because... And so it creates a safer environment, which sometimes is good and sometimes can start to feel like, you know, um, like it's like is despite having tons of great books that there isn't the same um, peaks and valleys of excitement when everyone comes together to do stuff. So my point is simply like I like thinking about big things like that, like how would I be a part in some way of a swing, you know, whether at Marvel or DC and not do the opposite, which is kind of like to me going in and doing like a small story with, you know, Catwoman or something like that. Right. And nothing against anyone that does that. I'm not, I just mean for me personally, the thing that excites me is thinking on that kind of bigger, grander scale level of how do you be part of something that kind of shakes it up a bit. So, you know, that's where my head's at. I can't say if there's anything in the works or not in the works, but I'm very interested in that space in that regard and working with people that feel that way, like feel that way. And I think there are tremendous people at both companies now who do feel that way. And are, I I honestly believe that 2024 into 25, you're going to see some tremendous swings in superhero comics all across the board. And I I mean, I already love what John's doing with ultimate and uh, Spider-Man and what they're trying with Mariko over there. It's going to be awesome. You know, I think it's really cool. So um, yeah, you know, it's like, I think you're going to see superhero comics really swing back in this coming year and beyond, because I think after a while, it's time to remind people that this is where these characters have always been renewed and most exciting and where the biggest stories happen, whether they're different new swings or they're just an elevation of the stories already being told by bigger stakes, like Sinestro Core War or whatever, you know, all those moments when you're like, oh, that just went bigger than I ever thought it could. Yeah that I think you're going to see a lot of that in the next couple of years. And I'm really excited for it. You know, same man. Well, dark, uh, uh, dungeon is coming out. Uh, well it's out. Third issue is uh, on sale very soon. Uh, went today this week. So check it out. Scott, always a pleasure. Uh, sorry to go on such a long tear about, no, I, I think it's important. And it's a, uh, it's, it's, it's a great conversation that people are having, you know, and they're, and yeah. they're having it internally, like the fans and fan commentators are having it amongst themselves, but it's very rare when like a creator can come in and say like, as a person who kind of actually knows which direction the wind is going, I can say at least that, you know, you're warm here, you're cold here. This is, you know, this is kind of like my take on it. And I think that's important. And it's nice to get the check in once in a while. Yeah, I mean, I'd love to have more conversations about it. I think, you know, it's a real, it's an interesting thing, because I think it's scary right now, in a lot of ways, like across the board, you know, but it's also corrective, like, you know, again, not to go on a whole other tear, but if we have (laughs) one more minute, like, if you think of these cycles, right, like, 2011 to 20. 
you know, 13, 14, you have suddenly investment from Warner Brothers and Disney and comics, and you have the beginning of the Marvel Cinematic Universe and DC, and you get this kind of excitement, and there's money, and there's like, there's exclusive wars and all that kind of stuff, right? Yeah. yeah. And then that kind of slows down a bit, and you you have Image, the rise of Image and the indie comic with like Saga and this, and um, having a company that's doing, with The Walking Dead behind it, like very visible, very commercial stuff, and I'm yeah. witches, and I never thought, I mean, at that moment I got in trouble for saying it, but I was like, I just made more money from witches than I do from Batman. And it was true that year. I was like, I can't believe this. Yeah. But then that, you know, in 2015, 2016 streaming comes up and then streaming suddenly all of us that were, you know, putting out indie books and controlling the rights through image and being able to option those books, hopefully um, there are companies bringing up everywhere with deals with streamers um, which is a good thing in a lot of ways because suddenly there's again a, a rise of all these different indie sort of avenues. But um, you know, through 2020 or so, it just became it becomes so many comics coming out, and so many of those comics also being things that are modular. Um, and look, I, I that I, I come from short stories and novels. Like my natural default setting is modular. I love yeah. short stories, so. I, that's what I did for comicsology. I love those and I'll always make them. So I'm not, I, I think you should make them, but those companies in general are also designed for a lot of that, a lot of that format, which is good. But then you have a lot of, a lot of indie series that way. And then, you know, to, to go on with it, you have the 2020, like I said, the speculator boom suddenly, and that props up everything in these huge ways where people are getting lots of money for covers and all of this. Yeah. And now all that's kind of, all that's kind of sort of stopped. And we're at a moment when my point is simply not to be like, let me tell you my take on it. <laughs> but my point is to be like, we're at a, we're at a really interesting inflection point. And it's yeah. a really important moment too. It's not just like, it's not one thing where it's like, you know what we need to do this. It's thinking about it holistically from all these kind of prismatic angles and saying, what are the few things we really can do right now that will um, make a comic seller excite retailers and as individual creators, as companies, as, as, as friends, like all of that different stuff, because it needs all those questions. Like, yeah. you know, do you do something like ghost machine, which is really exciting to see happening with, with my buddies. Do you do something like distillery, which I love and I'm a part of, do you do something in the superhero space? That's really going to kind of make people go like, what does that, like, what is it? you always do. And the most important thing is always to do the thing that's most exciting to you as a creator, never follow right. a trend, never. But I like thinking in those spaces and being like, I just think it's a conversation all of us need to have is this is the moment we're at, right. not be reductive or um, not be reductive or, you know, angry or blaming or this ways. look at where we are and say, how do we as people who love comics, find a way forward that's going to strengthen the market and, right. and, and do the things we're most excited about. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe no, I'm fair. wrong. Maybe I'm like, I, we should all be angry. Stuff makes me angry and yell like, and all that too. Oh, sure. me. But I try and be, maybe it's being in this witch's writer's room, but it's trying to be diplomatic to not in the face of toxicity, by the way, I'm not saying that I'm not saying you, you smile or be nice to people that are being toxic. What I'm saying is, trying to not be intensely reactive when you see something not work you thought was going to work or yes. see something that is working, but you feel is a, you know, is a gimmick or just not going out there and being like, this thing is the problem or this is what we need to do. Just be like looking at it from maybe 10,000 feet up while yeah. trying to, that's what James Tynan, like my, my closest friends love thinking in those ways about it and, and trying to figure out, what spaces are both most exciting and will help in different ways. Yeah. So I don't know. That's my, that's my belief. Yeah. Sorry. I don't get to talk a lot. Like at that's home. fair. I'm no, I, I think it's important. And, and so I, I appreciate I mean, like, your, your me on and I'll just be like, and another thing. So, <laughs> yeah, so yeah. I, yeah. Um, and I have to ask really quick, just, uh, you know, now that we're um, towards the end here, when I say towards the end, I mean, we're, we're here, but uh, you wrapped up at the witch's writer's room. Like you're all done. Yeah. Uh, well, we wrapped up season one. Season We're almost one. Right. I, I, I don't want to say so, like, oh, season one, because there might be more. But uh, no, but season yeah. two is guaranteed. We season two is uh, greenlit. So we oh, got shit. two seasons. So, <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah. And they actually I can't talk about it yet. But I'll talk about it soon. But 
they picked up something else as well. I, it looks like, or they're going to, we're going to be partnering on hopefully another thing after witches, which I'm very excited to talk about. So I'm making a lot of cartoons right now and I love That's it. Awesome. It's me and Jock and the people in the room are fantastic. Mary and dare and, and uh, Jeff Howard and Harrison rivers and, and uh, uh, Bornilla Chatterjee and they're great. And uh, Eric Bonswinger, if you, anyway, the point is like, yeah, I'm excited. I feel like animated is a space. Uh, like, I'll give you an example. Like right now, I feel like animated TV, adult animated TV, yeah, is a space that is ready for like a really big expansion. And you see the hints of it with like, you know, big progressive, strange, like daring movies like Spider Verse and also yeah. Blue Eyed Samurai and Invincible is doing massive numbers for what it is. And it kind of feels like again, I'd love to hear what people think, but the last 10, 15 years has been us doing geek stuff in a way that is almost like for us, but also for our kids, like it's PG 13, like the whole Marvel cinematic universe is like totally largely that. And suddenly it's almost like in these moments, adults want things for adults that are like, yeah. you know, more R rated. You see it in some shows as well, Reacher and all that. Yeah. So it feels like with witches, it's really very, it's very probing emotionally the way the book was about parenthood and about growing up and seeing your parents aren't who you thought they were. Yeah. And it's all in the, in the darkest aspects of human nature, but it's also like a total fucking action body horror gore fest, yeah. like out of control, more witches, more. So it has this kind of, it's a, it's an int- it's a big swing in a fun way where it's like, is this going to work? I have no idea if it's going to work. <laughs> I, it, yeah. might, it might totally not, but I believe deep down it's actually going to work really well and hopefully be a bit of a, uh, a lightning rod kind of thing and i i love what we're making so if i'm yeah. wrong i'm wrong but i love it and yeah we, we just finished season one we're finishing season one this month but we don't have the room the writer's room for anyone out there who's interested is like a bunch of writers are hired to put together a season and you meet together virtually or in person until you've broken the whole season on these cards down to like every scene so everyone knows what every scene is and then most of the episodes are being written as this goes. Like you'll write the outline for one. I wrote issue episode one, then you write two and three. And by the time you've broken episode eight, you're writing episode six, seven. So right now we're in that zone where we don't have to meet anymore, but we're finishing the last episode. So I don't have like a day job from nine to five doing it anymore, but yeah. we're still in the midst of putting it all together. We actually just had our first animation meeting with uh, visual development with powerhouse studios down in Austin. Hey. Yeah, so you got to see what they do and talk to them about designs and that. So I'm really excited. It'll be out in like 25, you know, early 25. Um, You'll start to see materials for it. And if you follow me, obviously, I'll post post a lot of stuff. But yeah, we're we're rocking out on that. And I love it. It's a lot of fun. Cartoons is awesome. I think you have a generation of people that like grew up on Pixar and anime and that and now ready for like, I think, like really adult stuff. Something for them that they can own, you know? Right? Exactly. Absolutely. Well, thanks for being here, man. I really, really appreciate it. It's always a fun time. Uh, if you haven't already, folks, check out the uh, the Substack. It's in the comments down below. And of course, uh, the uh, the the dungeon is out uh, and and more more coming. Man, yeah, 2024, 2025 is gonna be very exciting. So yeah, we'll have to talk a lot. So it'll be good. It'd be great. Yeah. So long, everybody. Thanks for watching.